0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms.
1: I mean, wait a minute. Unless we be too hard on the children of Israel, I think we would do well to consider what we would do if we were there. You know, we're so quick to, man, those Israelites. I mean, God parted the Red Sea. They walked on dry land, and then when the Egyptians tried to follow them, God put the waters over them and drowned
0: them? Perhaps one of the more common struggles we share as the body of Christ is our ability to quickly judge Israel while forgetting our own sinful nature. As Pastor J.D. will teach you in his message today, it's important that we steer clear from such an attitude of haughtiness, lest we become proud and boastful. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 106 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: The king says, Esther, my queen, what do you want up to half of my kingdom? And she's like, God put it on her heart. I want you to, with Haman, come to a banquet that I will prepare for you. So here's Haman going, oh man. (laughs) I mean, he's so full of himself. He thinks it's about him. He has no idea what's going on. So that night, before the banquet, the king cannot sleep. God would not let him sleep. And so he's suffering from this divine insomnia, if I can call it that. And he says to his men, hey, go get me those boring annals of the history of the kingdom. This was on the second night when she said, I want you to come back for a second banquet. This is what happened that night. He couldn't sleep. They bring him the annals. And you have to understand that when his men went to pick A really boring record of the history, because if you just read that to me, that will for sure put me to sleep. So they happened to, what a coincidence, right? They happened to grab the exact one that had the record of when Mordecai saved the life of the king from a conspiracy to assassinate him. So here they are, they're reading it. The king's trying to fall asleep. And so it was on the fourth. And then it happened that Mordecai exposed this, you know, conspiracy to kill the king. And he's like, could you read that again? What was that? Okay, so (laughs) apparently this guy saved your life. He's going, yeah, I remember that. Hey, did we ever do anything for him? No. Well, apparently Haman didn't sleep that night either, because he's so infuriated that Mordecai will not bow down and worship him. So he has these, don't think of gallows to hang like we would understand hanging. (laughs) This is graphic, but they were actually gallows that they would impale people on alive to, I mean, a cruel way to kill somebody. And he had them built for Mordecai for Haman to kill him. And they had him that night. All of this happened in one night. Nobody got any sleep that night except for Esther and Mordecai. They're the ones that got sleep that night. So here they are, wee hours in the morning. King, king can't sleep. He just finds out that nothing was done for this Mordecai who saved his life. And in walks Haman, whose wife just told him, you better get to the king first thing in the morning. Let him know that you've got these gallows built to impale Mordechai on. So he walks in, and there's the king goes, Haman, oh, I'm so glad to see you. Just the guy I wanted to talk to. Get in here. I got a question for you. He's like, oh, wow, <laughs> this is perfect. So he comes in, and the king says, Hey, Haman, what should be done for the man whom the king desires to honor? Haman's I like, oh, my goodness. It can't get any better than this. They haven't gone to the second banquet yet. That's when things are going to go horribly wrong very quick, right? So here's a man thinking, the king wants to honor me. Oh, okay. Well, here's what you should do. You should give him your rope, king, and you should put him on your horse, King, and you should have him paraded through the city streets. And you should have somebody say and shout and declare, this is what is done for the man whom the king desires to honor. And he's just picturing himself, oh man, I can't wait. I can't wait. And then, oh, I would have loved to have been a fly on a camel in that room. the king says to Haman, perfect. Oh, that's what I love about you, Haman. He has no idea what's going on either. Not yet. He will very soon. He says to Haman, man, I want you to do that for Mordecai. (laughs) What? Oh, wait. Oh, whoa. For a second, I thought you said Mordecai. No, you mean me. No, Mordecai the one that I just built the gallows to impale on, that Mordechai? Yeah. Think about this. When Haman would parade himself through the streets, he would demand that everybody bow down and worship him, and only Mordechai would not. And now, can you imagine? They haven't got to the banquet yet. Oh, I can't wait till they get to the banquet. So before the banquet, he gets Mordecai, puts the king's robe on him, puts him on the king's horse, and here is the same Haman that everybody on those streets every day would bow down to that is now parading Mordecai, the only one who would not bow down to him, saying of him, this is what is done for the man whom the king desires to honor. Well, he could not get that. It must have seemed like an eternity for him. <laughs> for Mordecai, I gotta believe Mordecai's sitting on that horse, which that's that's not his his drill, right? I mean, that's not what he wants to do, but you gotta think that he's sitting on that horse going, "God, you got a sense of humor. <laughs> you've got it. Oh, my God, <laughs> only you could do this." There's no other explanation. And so, and he also knows, by the way, that his niece, his cousin, Esther, has been told by the king, up to half of my kingdom, and that they're on their way to a banquet. So after that, couldn't get it over with quick enough, he runs home to his wife. (laughs) He has sons too. And he says to her, honey, and he's perspiring, I'm sure. He's breathing heavily. He is, I'm sure, infuriated, confused, beside himself. You're not going to believe what just happened, honey. And his wife says something to the effect of, honey, I think you messed with the wrong Jew. Uh, This is not going to end well for you. And so just as they're talking, His men come and say, hey, let's go. We got to get to the banquet. Oh, the banquet. I forgot about the banquet. They get to the banquet and Esther says, the king says, okay, Esther, what do you want? This is the second time now. Last night had to happen because of what God did just in that span of one night as he was choreographing all of the steps to this. And he says, up to half of my kingdom. And Esther says, okay, king, this man right here is trying to uh, kill all of my people. And the king's like, okay, wait, wait what? Your people kill? Say again? And, and here's Haman. And imagine, <laughs> this is just potentially, arguably within hours of him probably not even that long, of him parading Mordecai through the streets. And now he's got another bomb dropped on him. (laughs) The queen is a Jew? And I just got the king to issue an edict to kill all the Jews? That means I'm killing the queen. That's not going to go over real well. So the king is so incensed, he actually has to leave to compose himself. That's how angry he is. I can't believe it. man is his right hand man. So he leaves, and as he is leaving, here's Haman throwing himself on Esther. Big boo-boo. He's physically throwing himself on her, pleading for mercy, pleading for his life. And just at the moment, who knew? God knew. Just at the moment that he's throwing himself on the queen, in walks the king going, are you kidding me? Yeah, you want to kill my my queen and my and the Jewish people, and now you're trying to you know seduce my queen. Get him out of here! And he ends up being impaled on the very gallows that he made for Mordechai. Not just him, his sons too. Only God can do that. The wondrous works of God and the Jewish people are saved. Well, that's not in the psalm, but anyway, that's (laughs) one of the wondrous works of God. Verse 24, we need to keep moving here. He increases people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies, speaking of when they were in Egypt. Verse 25, he turned their heart to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent Moses his servant, and Aaron whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them, and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent, verse 28, darkness, and made it dark, and they did not rebel against his word. He turned their waters into blood, speaking of the Nile and killed their fish. Their land abounded with frogs, speaking of another plague there in Egypt, even in the chambers of their kings. He spoke and there came swarms of flies and lice in all their territory. He gave them, verse 32, hail, for rain and flaming fire in their land. He struck their vines also, and their fig trees, and splintered the trees of their territory. He spoke, verse 34, and locusts came, young locusts without number, and ate up all the vegetation in their land, and devoured the fruit of their ground. He also destroyed all the firstborn in their land. This is the tenth plague, the first of all their strength. He also brought them out with silver and gold, speaking of the Israelites. They made a hall, so to speak, and there was none feeble among his tribes. Egypt was glad when they departed. I mean, can you imagine after those ten plagues devastated the land, devastated them? For the fear of them had fallen upon them. He spread a cloud for a covering and a fire to give light in the night. This is how he led them a cloud during the day which interesting by the way the cloud in the desert heat was a shade to cool them from the scorching of the sun the fire at night there in the desert was there to not only lead them but to warm them from the frigid cold at night verse 40 the people asked and he brought quail. We're going to see this again referred to in Psalm 106. You remember that when they were complaining about the manna? And satisfied them with the bread of heaven, which is the manna. But they got kind of sick of manna every day. I mean manna burgers, manna cotti, manna everything, manna every day. We want meat to eat. So he sent them quail. He said, hey, you, want, you want me? I'll give you meat. You want flesh to eat? You can have all the flesh you want. Verse 41, He opened the rock and water gushed out. It ran in dry places like a river. Again, we read it in the Psalms, we read it in the book of Genesis and Exodus, all of these miracles. Where they're in the desert, they're, they're very thirsty, there's no water in the desert. So what does God do? He says to Moses, I want you to strike that rock, and water's going to come out of that rock, and they're going to drink all the water they want. That's a miracle. It's also a type in that, because that rock is Christ, from whom living water comes out, and he was only struck once. Now we're going to see this again referred to as well, because Moses was so provoked, so angry he struck the rock twice, and it cost him the promised land. So he opened the rock, verse 41, water gushed out, ran in the dry places like a river, for he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham his servant. He brought out his people with joy, his chosen ones with gladness. He gave them the lands of the Gentiles, and they inherited the labor of the nations, that they might observe his statutes, and keep His laws. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I love how this song ends. I mean, we just got done all of these things. Praise the Lord. The rock in the desert, remember that? Yeah, praise the Lord. The plagues in Egypt when He delivered us out of slavery. Praise the Lord. I mean, all of the things that God has done, praise the Lord for all His wondrous works. Well, Both Psalm 105 and the next Psalm, Psalm 106, which we're going to get to in a moment, are very interesting psalms because of the relational dynamic between God and His people. I'll explain what I mean by that. So Psalm 105 is all that God did for His people, and as we're about to see Psalm 106 is the response of God's people to what God had done. And you already know what the response is. I mean Psalm 105 is this magnificent account of the goodness and the grace of God, all of the wondrous works of God. But Psalm 106 is an account of the rebellion of God's people in spite of what God did. All that God did and they rebelled. All that God did, and they had unbelief. All that God did, and they were so wicked, so evil, so sinful. Psalm 106, verse 1. It starts the same way Psalm 105 ended. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord. Who can declare all His praise? I mean, we can praise Him, but it is impossible to declare all His praise, all the glory due His name. There's no way. The English language, as faulty as it is, is incapable of adequately expressing and declaring all the praise for all the wondrous works and mighty acts of the Lord. Verse 3, blessed are those who keep justice and he who does righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor you have toward your people. Oh, visit me with your salvation that I may see the benefit of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers, verse 6. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Notice the delineation in verse 6. Sinned, iniquity, wickedly. We've sinned. We've committed iniquity. We've done wickedly. Verse 7, our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not, and I want you to pay particular attention to this word, remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. I mean, wait a minute. Unless we be too hard on the children of Israel, I think we would do well to consider what we would do if we were there. You know, we're so quick to, man, those Israelites. I mean, God parted the Red Sea. They walked on dry land. And then when the Egyptians tried to follow them, God put the waters over them and drowned them. And that's what the psalmist says. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, He saved them for His namesake, that He might make His mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it dried up. So He led them through the depths, again on dry ground, as through the wilderness. This is the floor of the Red Sea. He saved them from the hand of Him who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters, verse 11, so the Israelites have made it through on dry ground to the other side of the Red Sea miraculously. And then the waters, as the Egyptians are also trying to walk through the Red Sea. I can just imagine the, the heavenly host, as God is commanding the walls of water to stand and part, and the ground to be dry. And he waits for that last elderly Israelite to make his way or her way through on dry ground to the other side. And he just double checks, okay, are all the Israelites through? Yeah. Uh, God, <laughs> the Egyptians are hot in pursuit. Yeah, I know. Well, they're going to catch up. No No, they won't well, what are you going to do? Oh. <laughs> watch me now. Just let me know when they're all there, when the last one is there on the dry ground in the Red Sea, and I'll show it. I'm going to do. Okay, God, they're all there. Okay, watch this. Is this bad that I'm taking so much delight in how God... <laughs> Took those walls of water on both sides and said, okay, come back together. And the waters covered their enemies. And notice this, the psalmist says, there was not one of them left. Wow. Not one Israelite was left in the Red Sea and not one Egyptian made it out of the Red Sea. Only God can do that. All the wondrous works of God. Now you would think that the children of Israel, after they were there. I mean, we're just reading of the account and we're picturing it in our mind's eye how this went down. And they lived it. As they're walking through the Red Sea on dry ground, don't think for a second, they're not looking up at all of the fish that are coming to the edge look at that. would you look at that? like an aquarium right i mean how amazing would that have been to actually walk on dry ground through the red sea to the other side and actually live through that walk through that you get to the other side and then have God just drown all of the Egyptians, the, every last one of them, not one of them left, they're on the other side of the Red Sea. Praise the Lord. Oh, it's easy to praise the Lord on, on that side of the Red Sea. You weren't doing that before. Before God parted the Red Sea. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, if my memory serves me correctly, if I'm recollecting this, <laughs> correctly, you were saying things like, what? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt to kill us there? You had to bring us out here to kill us? Really?
0: We are so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Psalms. While our time with you is ending, your study of God's word doesn't have to. Everyone can learn from the Bible, and everyone will be blessed when they open their hearts to its truth. As you spend time in Scripture today, ask God to share His heart directly with yours and be open to whatever He has to teach you. Know that we're praying for you as you study and will continue to do so each time we produce a new edition of In Spirit and Truth. Are you in the Kameohe area? If so, we'd love to have you come be a part of our weekly services. Calvary Chapel Kaneohe meets each week to spend time praising the Lord and learning from His Word. Find out more about us and get directions at inspiritandtruthradio.com You can also hear additional teachings from Pastor J.D. while you're there or download our mobile app for Apple and Android devices to access these messages anywhere and everywhere. We'd also like to point out Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. updates us on where the world is in conjunction with the prophecies of the Bible. He takes the time to comb through the news and tell us how world events line up with God's plan as stated in His Word. If you'd like to view the latest edition of the MidEast Prophecy Update, visit our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor J.D.'s teaching, and we hope you'll tune in again right here on in spirit and truth
2: me to